the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. Talking money, investing in more. Trying to get you to retirement. It's one of those days where I don't necessarily do business headlines, where I do get more, I'm not going to say to the heart of the matter, but more to you, more towards your retirement issues. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. You know, good golly, Rory McIlroy replacing Tiger Woods as Nike's highest paid sponsor, or golfer, I guess. Golfers, the right way of saying that. To me, that's a story that's good. I think you and I could learn something from that. Golf is one of those sports that greatly benefited as a wildly photogenic African American dominated sport for the first time ever. So, FoxSports.com reported that McElroy. Signed a deal with Nike for two hundred to two hundred and fifty million dollars. Wow. It's a ten year deal. You can make a lot more money wearing someone's clothes than you can playing the game. There's already been a first commercial film for Nike, which included Tiger and two other golfers, Nick Watney and Kyle Stanley. Uh, Tiger signed his most recent deal with Nike, making probably $35 million a year. Nike cut that figure in half in 2010 after news of his infidelity started to surface. Once again, telling you, hey, you can cheat on your wife. You can murder dogs. Nike will sponsor you. No problemo. So there's a lot of money out there, and you know, part of my goal of the show is to show you that there's different ways of approaching life. You don't have to go out there and cheer for Tiger. You can say, hey, this company, Nike, must be making a lot of money. Maybe I should be getting my fair share of that by investing in the company. When you invest in the company, you become literally an owner. You own shares of the company. It's that simple. There's so many great companies out there that it's easier than people think. Whether it be Disney, whether it be Nike. Then there's companies out there that maybe they've had their heyday, and maybe they are in decline, but they're still going to make a lot of money. Companies like Microsoft. Some people would say companies like Apple. You know, shares of Apple, if you take a look at a correction on the stock, you go, oh, no, 
But if you take a look at any one-year look at the chart, you're like, yeah. That's what you have to learn to do as an investor, of try to get some perspective. And that's what I try to do with, again, trying to show you things like Rory McIlroy making 200 to $250 million. I can show you other types of companies that maybe you've heard of, maybe you haven't heard of, that are unique, that don't have a lot of competition. There's a company like American Vanguard, ticker symbol AVD. They make pesticides and insecticides. And that doesn't sound like an exciting business, but it's pretty damn profitable. And they basically have a monopoly in combating rootworm, which I'm pretty sure my last girlfriend had rootworm or some form of rootworm. The company also has a delivery system called the Smart Box, which I'm pretty sure my last girlfriend also had the Smart Box. And I'm not even sure what that means. So she had rootworm, Smart Box, toxic chemicals. You have to apply it to the soil to kill the bug. Genetically engineered seeds that better resist those pests. American Vanguard, ticker symbol AVD, is growing earnings at 29% per year. I'm not telling you to go out and buy it. I'm just saying you're not going to hear anyone talking about American Vanguard on CNBC because who wants to talk rootworm other than my last girlfriend? Oh, the creepy crud. I don't even know what that means. If you want to get your calls in the air today, it's 800-516-1220. 800-516-1220. We can talk about family finance. We can talk about living. We can talk about retirement. You know, in your family finance, that would probably hit real estate and credit cards. Life crisis. It would probably hit health care. Scams. Do you have an emergency fund? I have an emergency fund. I hate my emergency fund. I basically put it in a very liquid account, and it doesn't get a lot of money, it doesn't earn a lot, and it just sits there and come like, come on, earn some money. And it won't because it's supposed to be safe and liquid. That stinks. Home remodeling. Everyone on my street has remodeled their house. I think I now have the smallest house on the best street, or it feels that way to me. And it still doesn't really motivate me. I still have the bigger, biggest lot on the street. So at some point in time, if I do want to go big, I can. You know, one thing you won't catch me doing on the show is like saying, go out and buy an LED bulb. Incandescents are dead. Long live the LED. They're rated to last 25,000 hours or 22 years based on three hours use a day. They use about 80% less energy. They're not cheap. They're 15 to 40 bucks a bulb. I know you're saying 15 to 40 bucks for a bulb? Holy mackerel. So it's kind of an investment buying light bulbs, right? Are you with me? Or are you against me? You need to choose a side. This is a war. It's a war of knowledge. It's a war of knowledge base getting into retirement, of improving your credit score. That's one thing I want to do on the show is I want to get you to have 
an understanding of what's important out there and what's not. Way too often I see people like dwell on stuff that's not that important. The white whales, the perfect credit score, the elusive 850 FICO score, the world is yours. I still want you to go in that direction. I think what you're going to find if you do go that direction is like, it's not worth it. Yeah, should you try to have a good credit score? Sure, doesn't hurt you. But I'd rather you save $200 a month. I was talking to a guy yesterday who's got a daughter. He's like, tell me about the 529 plan. Tell me about the 529 plan for my kid's school. I'm like, how much you got saved for retirement? Nothing. How old are you? 36. I'm like, you know you're going to work till the day you die. He's like, tell me about the 529 plan. I'm like, why don't you start a Roth IRA and you could pay for your kid's college out of that if you want to. Like, you need to have some sort of plan. We'll talk improving your credit score. I know, I just said credit score is a white whale and it's not that damn important, but I'll talk about it. I'm doing a personal finance show today. Hey, everybody, listen to me. Rob Black. It's AM 1220, KDOW. I'm Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Talk.com. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. We got no money, but we got heart. We're going to rattle this ghost town. Which would you rather have, heart or money? It's a good question. Is it about being young and being involved in the counterculture? Is it about being a hipster? I love the song. Is it about a relationship in the summer after high school? Partying, being young, changing? Teenagers, college students having fun? And you can give a child a box and a kid will play with a box. Why give him a toy? Let's talk a little um, buying a house. Everyone should have some really good, simple, basic concepts. And you should keep going back to them again and again and again and again and again and again. My first thought when I was 18 was, I don't want to work till the day I die. Right? Buying a second home before selling the first is when you start getting those concepts that are a little bit more big. And I like that. Working till the day you die is not right. But then again, like I told you, I was talking to a mechanic recently, and I said, you're probably going to work till the day you die. And thank God you have a skill that will last you till the day you die. Don't lose those hands. See, my hands shape, shake like an epileptic. I mean, you're saying epileptic? You mean diabetic? Or you get the idea. I couldn't I couldn't be a mechanic. I don't want to be a mechanic. I own multiple homes. 
And that's a concept that's like just weird to me the more I think about it. I got multiple mortgages. I got more debt than I got equity. Right? So when it comes time to buy a second home, get pre-approved. Don't think you're going to like buy a house in Tahoe easily. A second home is more of an investment, but it also doubles your liability sometimes. So you have to have more of an investment balance sheet. Should you take out a home line equity of credit to buy a second home? Not a horrible idea. You can't borrow money to buy real estate unless it's secured against another asset. So you can that asset could be your home. It could be your income. It could be a lot of things. Interest is deductible. That's a positive. I say never, ever borrow against your 401k, and yet people will do it. With a second mortgage, a second home, a Tahoe home, a Santa Barbara home, a vacation home. One thing that I don't want you to do is let it sit there empty. You know, I told you my grandma died in 2012. Family grandma dies, right? She left her farm. She left her oil well. And she left some property that wasn't developed. The property that wasn't developed wasn't developed for 50 years. Now, it went up in value. But those 50 years lost money because she had to keep had to pay, you know, taxes on it. She lost opportunity to put a house on it and rent it. So I don't believe in just buying raw land. You know, you really have to think of every angle on these concepts. I know that makes sense to you. So I don't know. I know that I don't have to beat it into pulp for you. But I do know some people like, I, I could buy some land in Bend, Oregon. Fine. Just develop a property on it so you can make some money off of it. Or cut down Christmas trees on it. Do something. Hmm. So... What do you want to talk about? If you want to send me an email, you can send me an email at rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing. We can talk about life. Culture. Donald Trump. Okay, let's talk to little Donald Trump for just a second. Uno momento, which is Spanish for one moment. Just in case anyone needs some Spanish-American lessons. Trump made his money off how? Okay, not even important how he made his money, but why do you think he's an expert? Why does anyone think Kiyosaki's an expert? Kiyosaki's an expert at getting people to pay a lot of money for a seminar. Trump's an expert at, at staying relevant, even though psh, he lost his relevance 25, 30 years ago. And yet, I know people that will read Kiyosaki books, and they're the dumbest financial people on the planet. They're looking for a guru. They're looking for a Buddha. They're looking for someone to tell them how to do it. 
And the best way to do it is to do it through experience and time. Yeah, I can point you down a path, but in the end, I'm not your Buddha on the mountain. I'd rather be, you know, a tip of the hat to, like, getting people motivated. But you're going to have to learn your own mistakes. One of the things that I like doing is traveling. And there's some of the coolest hotels in the world. That's my goal, is to travel and see the world before I die. And I've traveled a lot, and I've seen a lot of the world. The Four Seasons Resort in Bora Bora. It's got 100 rooms. It's stunning. It's just a bunch of bungalows. The La Villa, La Villa, the La Villa Lisha in Provence, France. There's a Saba Saba private game reserve in South Africa in a national park. It's part of a tree. You're living mostly hotel part tree. Capri, Italy. Northland, New Zealand. The Maldives. Like, you have to have goals like this, right? The Hamilton Island Qualia Hotel in the Great Barrier Reef, Australia. I love Australia. I don't like the flight to Australia. You know, anytime you fly in like 16 hours, there's a moment where you're like, you want to freak out and like rush the cockpit. And you're like, I, I know I shouldn't do this, but is this thing ever going to land? And like you start losing your mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, if you get your calls in there, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Walk the Moon by Anna Sun. What do you want to talk about today? Um, we've talked credit scores. We've talked a little real estate. Okay, let's talk a little more real estate. Real estate is a great long-term play. Notice I use the word play, not investment, not liability. Best part of my, my real estate right now is it's mass tax deduction. I make a sizable income, and I get to reduce my taxable income to the state, to the federal government, by lowering my taxable income. That's amazing. That's sweet. That's wonderful. That's the best part about real estate. Otherwise, I'd rather be a renter. Someone else has liability. Someone else has the the payment. I can literally poop on the floor and put it on the wall and call it art if it's someone else's property. If it's mine, hope that doesn't happen to me, right? I drank too much last night. What's that on the wall? Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's kind of arty, artsy. So you get the idea. Um, the best part about real estate is the tax deductions. It's the paying yourself over time to live there, paying yourself rent. It is not the investment. One thing I want to do when I die is be buried cheap. The high cost of saying goodbye is ridiculous. 
from digging the grave to the typical cost of a coffin costs over $10,000 to lay a loved one to rest. I want to pay some cool guy right now to make me a big shoebox, a coffin, basically a shoebox coffin. And I literally want to be buried in my backyard. And one night I want a raccoon to dig me up and drag me through, through, through the neighborhood. Like, that's the best laugh laugh I could have. Screw you, neighbors. Those raccoons are carrying my head down the street. $17 billion death care industry. I know you're saying, say that again. $17 billion death care industry. we got to reduce costs there. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Maybe one of the greatest driving songs of all time. It's a summer song. It reminds me of summer, right? Back when punk rock was actually punk rock. For the record, I'm not very punk rock, and I admit it. I am what is referred to in the world as Wonder Bread. There's not a lot of color in me. There's a lot of bleach. I am not that colorful. So, everyone should have a fireproof safe. You should be able to answer a lot of basic things about yourself. How old are you? Are you a U.S. citizen? What do you do for a living? Are you in good health? Do you receive Medi-Cal? Do you have life insurance, an IRA, 401k? Do you have any concerns or unusual family circumstances? Do you have children? Do you have grandchildren? Do you have plan to have more children? Do you have frozen embryos? This is all about planning your estate and planning your life. And it's critically important that you do so. You live day by day, that's fine. That's totally fine. But know that at some point in time, you're not going to be able to work anymore. And you're not going to be hot down the road. So establish a career that you're important in. And if you're working as a secretary or if you, if you thought as a child that you would be making more than you are, maybe you should go back to school. Go nights or weekends. I've got a friend who works at Visa. And one day she's going to get laid off. And she's got a degree in like microbiology philosophy. There's no jobs for that. It's like getting a degree in, you know, water studies where you go out and hug whales. There's not a lot of jobs in whale hugging. So try to make yourself useful, but also try to have a plan. Like, do you want to be buried or cremated? I told you I want to be buried in the backyard in a shoebox, and I want said raccoon to drag body parts around the neighborhood just to remind people, yeah, I'm gone, but you're still thinking about me. Do you want to have an autopsy? 
you want artificial life support? Do you want pain relief? How about if you're senile? Who's going to make decisions for you? What if you're senile and you have to get radiation or chemotherapy and it hurts and you're not mentally able to process it? You know, open heart surgery, you can't make that decision yourself. And you can't process being laid up in a hospital because you've got the mind of an eight-year-old child. My grandmother, when she went, my, my mother's mother, when she finally passed, she had what I call old-timer's disease. You might call it Alzheimer's disease. It was hideous. The last six years of her life, she was in a bed. She had bed sores. If you want to see sexy... Think woman in bed. If you want to think unsexy, think same woman in bed for six years. Her feet collapsed. Because she wasn't using the bones, she lost bone function. Her limbs started curling in towards her heart. Kind of like the Wicked Witch when the house landed on her and her, how her feet curled up. I think that happened, or maybe I'm just dreaming that. I was recently in Mexico, and I met a, what did he do for a living? What's the, people in the back of ambulances? He's one of those guys. A person in the back of the ambulance guy. EMT. And I said, give me a good story. Like, because I know he's got good stories, right? He said, yeah, we once got a call about a, a woman, and her, she was, her toe was stuck in the faucet. <laughs> like, so she's in the bath, and she's clearly doing something inappropriate, probably. And her toe gets stuck in the in the tub, and he's like, every fireman jumped on that one. They're racing to get to that call. I was like, give me more, give me more, give me more. He said, oh, yeah, there once was a, a VW bug that there was a crash. And, you know, one guy, everyone was in shock at the crash scene. And the car landed on someone, and he said it looked like Wile E. Coyote. So there was four arms sticking out from underneath the car, or four limbs, two arms, two legs. And the person was squashed underneath. That was quite a visual. Okay, okay. So, you need to have a plan that says things like, do you want your assets sold when you die? Do you want your cash diversified to your children? Do you want to do any gift taxes? Does anyone live with you in your personal residence who is not the sole beneficiary of the residence? Do you think you want to trust and will to include a no contest clause? Do you want your beneficiaries to have full control of your assets, or do you want an executor? Where do your heirlooms or your jewelry go? Like, for instance, let's say you bought your wife a lot of great jewelry, and you have a boy. Your boy probably doesn't want said jewelry. Maybe you want a sister or someone else in your family to get jewelry. Do you anticipate that you're going to die with assets of over $5 million? Under $5 million? Over $3 million? Under $3 million? Over $1 million? Under $1 million? You have to plan for this stuff. You just can't work day by day. Awful Hooters song, by the way. Day by day. The Hooters. I know you're saying, you're making that name up. I'm not. I'm hearing music. Is it that time already? 
<laughs> you're saying, Rob, I think you're losing your mind. I'm not hearing music. Okay, okay, it's time for a little potty break. You know what I'm saying? All good things must come to an end. Um, you can find me online, robblack.com. Twitter. My handle is Rob Black Show. YouTube, my handle, and you can subscribe to Rob Black Show. You're listening to me, Rob Black, on Rob Black U.S. News and World Report. Find it on iTunes or at robblack.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, uh, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and much, 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 much more. One of those days where I don't focus on business headlines, but instead focus on other aspects of money and investing and Getting you to retirement. I.E., although this might be a live show, it might be replayed in the future. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, poke, poke. Rob Black likes to have time off. Rob Black has lots and lots of money, and he wants to spend some of it and not be on radio every day. So, the other day I was feeling kind of down. I was driving over the Golden Gate Bridge. I was thinking, I should jump. Jump! You think I love about New York? They're, if you're going to slow down their day, they'll tell you to jump. Like, just get it over with. Just jump and get it over with. I need to get across that bridge. Don't hold up traffic. California, they'll hold your hand and, like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Um... So I was feeling kind of gloomy. I wasn't feeling particularly hot about myself. Golden Gate's breathtaking. I was like, that might be fun to jump off of. 1,300 people have jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge since it was completed in 1937. It's a very popular suicide location. A lot of people never consider committing Harry Carey and taking... Jumping on the sword. A lot of people never think about killing themselves, but a lot of people kill themselves every day financially. They commit financial suicide. How do you commit financial suicide? Let me count the ways. You have children too early. There's nothing more destructive to one's financial future than putting another mouth on your table to feed to health, to clothe, to educate. When when you're young, your career's young. You have the ability to 
dodge and jump and get another career, to re-educate yourself, to get to a different point. This has been a tough economy for 10 years, and a lot of people have put off children. They'll have the children. They'll just have them later in life. Raising a child requires a tremendous investment, money and time. You know, the biggest scarcity of resources in my life is time. I don't have time to do what I want to do. For 10 years, I've been saying, I'm going to go through all my emails and, and put everything right and correct. And I've saved so much, so many files. Okay, let's say I like watching videos of cats meow, playing the keyboard. And let's say I've accumulated 200 videos in the last 10 years. I know that some of those don't age well. Fat cat playing piano, I want to kill him. But I haven't been able to watch it again and decide, do I keep her cut or cut? Keep her cut, keep her cut, keep her cut. So time is a huge, scarce thing for me. Having a child early requires a lot of time. If I wanted to change careers right now and I had a kid or two, I want to be able to do it because i got to work to feed the kids. And i got to go to school at some point to get some more education. And the sugar booger's going to need some loving, or she's going to get loving from pool guy or something like that, right? And, but then also I need to unwind and relax because I'm stressed out. Another way to commit financial suicide. So have children once you have your earning power set in place. I know you're saying, you're not, talking about, you're not telling me what to do in my bedroom, are you? I am. People are poor for a reason. They commit financial suicide. Abuse in credit cards. Thousands upon thousands and thousands and thousands and hundreds and thousands of people are careless. They drive themselves to financial ruin. They have a colossal mountain of debt. They lack the financial acumen. I know you're saying, I think that's a dirty word. No, 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 you're thinking of a different word that ends with mem. What a word am I thinking of that ends with mem? People just don't, they're not financially smart enough to understand that credit cards are a double-edged sword. And if you're paying 6, 7, 10, 15, 20%, that means you're not, are you earning an extra 20% on stuff you're buying or you're just paying 20% more on stuff you buy? Like you almost have to be financially stupid to carry credit card debt. And a lot of people have colossal amounts of credit card debt. I ended college with, I think, $6,000 of college credit card debt. And I can't, I, all, I have a Bobby Brown CD. I know you're saying, no, 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 you did not just admit that. Yeah, pre-drug Bobby Brown. Everybody's talking all the stuff about me. Why don't they just let me be? Right? So I have a Bobby Brown CD, and that's the only damn thing that I know that I bought with that credit card. I probably bought some pizzas. Probably got some beer. Pizzas are long gone. Beer's long gone. But I still have that Bobby Brown CD. I know you're saying, swear on your... What can I swear on that's important? I swear on my addiction to caffeine. I have a Bobby Brown CD. I know. I know you're saying, weren't CDs just invented then? Yeah. One of the very first CDs I got. It was probably the, fir- it was the first CD I bought. That doesn't mean I didn't steal some. How about maintaining financial dependency on others? That's another way of creating financial suicide. 
Avoid feeding bears. And you're saying, that's the best advice you've ever given. I don't feed bears. I don't feed squirrels. I don't, I don't feed any wildlife because they become dependent on me. And then one day when I don't have a handout, they kill me. I'm convinced the longer you stay dependent on somebody, whether it be the government, your friends, or your family, the tougher it is for us as humans to achieve financial independence. I know you're saying, how did you turn feeding a bear into a financial tip? You're awesome. I am awesome. I am like the god Odin. Okay, another way we commit financial suicide. Uh, You make a lot of money, but you don't track it. You don't track your expenses. It comes in, you don't know where it goes. I save 15 to 20% of every dollar I make. And then I have a lifestyle where I blow money. There's a hot tub place in Palo Alto, which is basically a brothel, I'm pretty sure. It's like 60 bucks for a hot tub. But you get naked and you get to listen to other people. And 60 bucks for a hot tub? Like, come to my house and I'll spray you with a hose. Save the 60 bucks. I'll spray you with my neighbor's hose and, and save the water cost. Anyone that wants to come to my house, I will spray you with a hose. Fair? Deal? Deal. So you have to track your income and your expenses. You need to set down roots in the right location, not the wrong location. Every time you move, it's expensive. That's how you commit financial suicide. It's important to keep in mind that choosing a place to live, a high cost of living, you're not going to be able to support it. Or you're going to support it with all your income and you're not going to be able to save. And you're not going to be able to accumulate wealth. Accumulate wealth. There's two types of... of, my, my two approaches to money are accumulating money and then managing money. You have to understand you accumulate and then you manage it. You have to have a nest egg and you have to fund it for your golden years. you got to plan for the unplannable, so you have to have an emergency fund. Marry the right person, matrimonial mistakes, saying I do to the wrong person. A divorce costs you $20,000. A wedding now costs $26,000. Right there, financial suicide. Elope. So good. I probably should just retire because it's already in the Smithsonian Hall of Fame. Broadcasters Hall of Fame. Ruba, 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 ruba. Um. There's a guy out there named Dave Ramsey. And I find him to be obnoxious, and I find him to be very hurtful. I find his advice to be great for people who live in trailer parks. Some financial advice, like pay off all your debt, is great advice if you're rich or you're poor. If you're poor, you're paying high cost of debt. If you're rich, it's just an annoyance to send in a monthly mortgage payment. You do want to have an emergency fund. That is one thing that I think all financial experts can agree on. Your stocks are meant to be investments for 40 years. They're not meant to be touched and played with, to be juggled. And, you know, you're not going to get rich that way. Show me one day trader who's rich. Show me one day trader who turned $10,000 into a million dollars or $10,000 into 100000 
I've made a ton of wealth in Apple in the last five to seven years. Not the last five to seven months. In the last five to seven years. Not in the last five to seven days. Last five to seven years. I wrote an article back in 1996 that said, Can Apple be saved? And I said, Maybe. And it was played on the phrase B. There was a company called B Operating Systems. And they had uh, be smart, be creative, be unique. They had a cute little catchphrase. It was run by a guy named Jean-Louis Gasset. He had some sort of tie to Apple. He was just this jerk French guy. I know you're saying those phrases, those two words go together. Jerk French guy. I know, I was married to a Playboy model and a jerk French guy. Basically wooed her with expensive gifts. Wait. Oh, you said that, did you? Oh, I hear people saying right now, he wooed her with more expensive gifts than you wooed her with. Okay, that's kind of true. Okay, what's my point here? Oh, can Apple be saved? I read an article back in 1996, maybe, because I had read an article in Wired Magazine about Jean-Louis Gasset. And it was all about the operating system. That's when I started figuring it out. Pay off all non-mortgage debt using the debt snowball method. I don't agree with this. Debt's part of your life. If you're truly committed to getting out of debt, why squander hard-earned money by relying on psychological gimmickry? Of, do you need a debt snowball? You know, it's just ridiculous. Psychological gimmickry are for the psychologically weak for the educated weak. You have to have self-confidence. You don't need gimmickry. You know, I, I hear people like Suze Orman say, pay off your, your smallest credit card debt first. No, pay off the highest interest rate as fast as you can and go backwards from there. But if you pay off a small one, you see that bill's no longer coming in. It's like, are you really that much of a Muppet? You have to at least save two to six months of expenses. Invest 15% of your income into Roth IRAs, pre-tax retirements. Absolutely. Should you save money for your kids? I think you should. But keep in mind that your kids' college degrees probably aren't going to help you in retirement. So first and foremost, you need to save for your own retirement, then save for your kids' colleges. I think there's times when it makes sense to pay off your mortgage early, and there's times where it doesn't. When you get older in life, you could accelerate it a little bit if you want to. But keep in mind, your home goes up or down in value regardless if it's paid off or not. I've got three-plus mortgages out there. None of them are paid off. I have the ability to pay them off. I won't do it. Later in life, I want you to give generously. First, I want you to save aggressively. If you want to give now, that's up to you. I see way too many people doing charitable work by giving cash, that, and they don't have anything in their in their retirement plan. You can go out and 
for instance, you can go out and pet cats at a pet shelter. There's, there's companies that will help you find charity work. I highly, highly endorse charitable work. I give my time three times a year, and then typically once a week. But I give like my services and my cash three times a year. I can tell you the exact events. But on a weekly basis, I do charity work. I like people that I meet in charitable scenarios, typically hot chicks. You don't meet a lot of dudes. The hot chick to dude ratio is much higher in charitable world. And they see you petting a cat, and they think you care. <laughs> I had you at hello. Just because social media is free doesn't mean it gets you results. You got to change the lingo before you close a deal. The only way to get buyers to care about you is to care about them first. If you market yourself like a human being, you're going to find that you have a better chance of getting people to, to buy into you. You don't have to build rapport to build trust. Cut the chit chat, it's overrated. Have you ever been in like car dealership and you know you're getting played? Like the guy's just not that good. You want to buy a car, do you? So, you like this car, do you? And you're like, I'll tell you what color I like. Just back off. Don't get me to say positive things, because psychologically, you know it's going to close the deal. I think apologies and thank yous are the best way to start conversations in a business world. There's no replacement for hard work. I think working smarter is just more hard work. Quit prospecting so much. You get sloppy over time. You look like a jerk in the world of sales. I think being professional is the way to get people to do business with you. You don't need permission to start anything. You have little mantras that work for you in the world of business? Don't work for you? Hey... Don't forget about it. Don't watch seven times. Set the clock back. Ding dong, diddly ding dong. I so badly don't want to be an FM DJ. Not sure if you've picked up on that trend yet. Find me at Twitter, Rob Black Show. Twitter, Rob Black Show. Rob Black, you're running the Wall Street Business Network. Why, did, why does every home price end in zero? Ever wonder that one? Is it a trick? How much is your home worth? $1.2 million, $540,000, or $200,054. You know, it's it's weird. 96% of all home prices end in zero. I don't know why. The last non-zero digit is a number that costs the least set based on marketing psychologies. The number nine shows up in tons of places, so why is it not popular? You know, a, a Ronco knife, a set of Ronco knives that you can buy on Trader Joe's website, thirty nine ninety nine. So nines are fine. iPad mini, $329.
So why do homes not use that psychology? Expensive homes are less likely to have a nine in the price. Only 25% of homes listed for $1 million or more have a nine in the last non-zero digit compared to 53% of all listed homes. I think buyers who are ready to spend $2 million on a home, they're not fooled into thinking that it's a bargain at $1,999,000, just under $2 million, right? On a home reduction, you find nines. On a new home, you don't find nines. There are some weird things in real estate prices that realtors know. Like, for instance, if you're a realtor in Nevada, you put a lot of sevens in the, in the home price. Because people in Nevada think sevens are lucky. Eight is lucky in the Chinese world and in a lot of Asian neighborhoods. You'll find the number eight in home prices. Numbers you won't find a lot of. Surprisingly, you actually will. 666 in the Bible Belt states in 316, which is a verse of the Bible. You know, even before Tim Tebow put the numbers on his eye black, 666 represents the devil. But in some states that are you know disproportionately Bible or Baptist, you will see more real estate prices with 666s and 316. The number 8 sounds like a word that means prosper fortune and wealth in Chinese culture. The Beijing Olympics officially began at 8.08.08 p.m. and 8 seconds. United Airlines Flight 888 is a nonstop flight from San Francisco to Beijing. It's weird that numbers mean that much in price of goods sold. So know that mathematics plays a huge role in trying to get you played, so to speak. Okay, let's talk about some other issues. Personal finance. Um, I recently spoke to a mechanic who has a kid, and I said, do you have a budget? He goes, no. Why most people don't have budgets is beyond me. Everyone should have a budget. Track what's coming in versus what's going out. One of the things that I I look at with people is um, careers. And I get a lot of people asking me, should I go back and get my MBA? It really depends. You know, online MBAs differ like gold and clay. Which would you rather have, a pound of clay or a pound of gold? You know the difference, right? So online degrees differ like gold and clay. You need to find out if this university is accredited. You need to take a look at the program's entry requirements. Distance learning on MBA programs, just strike of odd to me. Like, I don't hire a lot of MBAs because I find that they're poorly trained. They're not trained to be creative. They're trained to follow someone else's system. Is there an on-campus component? Distance learning students, you know, are they hybrids? Are they blended? I know that I learned the most in college when I actually went to class instead of reading the the stuff at home. 
Um, talk to some people in the business. Talk to some people who have gone to that college. Find out if it helped their career. Interview others. I got an email the other day from a guy who wants to start a franchise, like a Meineke, which Meineke does transmissions, right? And their commercial has a car horn going beep, beep. Like, they don't fix car horns. If they fix car horns, you'd imagine the commercial has a beep, beep in it. But I don't understand Meineke. And Meineke tends to partner with a paint store close by. So supposedly if you have transmission problems or bumper problems or beep, beep problems, you need your car painted as well. So I said, why don't you go talk to a couple Meineke owners? You know, he's like, I'm looking to buy a Meineke franchise. Why don't you go talk to a couple? Like, they're not that hard to find. You want to start a Subway store and you want to be a franchise? I don't want to be a franchisee. If I can't come up with something unique and, and different, like, I don't want to pay someone to use their idea. Because not only do you have to pay them, but you have to make money on top of it. There's a sam- sandwich shop in my town that's a great sandwich shop. Fantastic. It's unbelievable. It's all that in a bucket of chicken. I don't even know the name of it. It's not Subway, though. It's always busy, I can tell you that. So it doesn't hurt to interview people. You know, I'm asked all the time. <laughs> Someone sent me an email, supposedly from UC Santa Cruz, who wants to get in the media business, and she attaches this basically incredibly photoshopped picture of her. Her hands are on the wall. Like She wants to be a broadcaster. I don't know if it's TV or radio. And she basically sends me a hot picture. Like, why didn't you send me a tape or a, dip, a tape? There's an odd concept. An MP3. Why didn't you send me some... Even if you make it up, it's better to say, like, here, here, here's an example of me calling the San Francisco Giants game. Well, buddy, it's a two-and-two two count. Just a bit inside. Like, I want to hear you in context if I'm going to try to help you. But she sent a hot photo, like, maybe trying to slip her way in. Hey, it works. I, I guarantee you a lot of people have got their jobs in media for something along those lines. For the record, that's how I got my job in media. You know how I got my job in radio? Uh, there was a radio reporter who was tired of getting up at 4 in the morning to report on market numbers. So he quit. Cold turkey just quit. A friend of mine owned a radio network and said, hey, can you cover this until we hire someone? I was like, sure. It was two two-minute segments, like 624, 654, 724, 754, 824, 854. But you started real early in the morning. And then the host of the, sh- of the show that I was calling in for, which was a nationally syndicated show, got snowed in one day. And they're like, can you talk for two hours? I was like, sure. And I just started talking about money and investing in tech stocks. I went over stocks that I held and why. And that led to them saying, hey, can you do a three-hour show? we got this prisoner. This guy comes out of prison. I'll always forget his name, but uh, he basically scammed people. So he goes to prison, he comes out of prison, he teaches people how not to be scammed. And they're like, we don't really like his show, so why don't you do his show in the evenings? I was like, sure. show got nationally syndicated, picked up, 60 to 100 markets. And I was doing the show uh, from Washington, D.C. 
And I'd always get a lot of calls from the Bay Area. I get a lot of calls from Portland and a lot of calls from Houston. So I visited all three cities. Houston was too hot. I was walking down the street. I was talking to my friend. I, I looked to see a car coming. I looked back over. My friend's a puddle of, 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 of human goo. It's Houston, hot. we have a problem. Houston is a big problem. It's hot. People melt in Houston. When they proudly tell you, we're the air conditioning capital of the world. I'm like, no. Portland was nice. problem with Portland was there's too many piercings. I know you're saying you're against piercings. I am against piercings. I don't have a tattoo on my body. don't have a piercing on my body. freaks me out. Only type of uh, tattoo I can kind of go with, tramp, tramp stamp, from B, whatever you want to call it. I'm not a big tattoo guy. If tattoos mean something to you, and on occasion they look amazing, but more often than not, they don't. So Portland had too many tree huggers. They had too many tattoos. Like, I like the high-paying jobs of the Bay Area. Like, I don't have to see poor people unless I want to see poor people. But in Portland, they kind of integrate amongst the, the wealthy people. I know you're saying, do you have no internal editor at all? I don't. That's one of the reasons I like uh, like pay at the pump. You don't have to go in and see the poor person behind the, the stand. I wish I could have made this up. Oh my gosh, I thought that was the last segment of the show. I got to do one more. <sighs> I was pouring out my, my, my soul. I know you said you have no soul. You might be right on that. Little man and Kim take us a break. 14 before the top of the hour on the Wall Street Business Network. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. I think it's important when you have children that you give them coins to look at and play with and start giving them a concept of money. Box that they can save it in. As they get lit older, give them a piggy bank. I had a red bank made out of steel that you had to have ten dollars to open it, so it basically locked at twenty-five cents, and then you had to pump money into it to get to ten dollars. You could put coins in and draw it down the handle, and it would add it up for you. So I quickly learned forty quarters was ten dollars. I started learning 20 quarters, 10 quarters to go, two dimes and a nickel. Like, I started learning that stuff, and I started scavenging for it. Like, I'm the guy when I go jogging. If I see a quarter on the ground, a nickel on the ground, a penny on the ground, I pick it up. I'm the guy who will fall for the, the dollar bill with a fish line. Talking about scarcity. At some point in time, don't play Candyland with your kids, because Candyland doesn't teach them any good lessons. There's no dice involved. Get fat. Like if you could land on like diabetes and the expenses of checking your own blood, and that would be fantastic in Candy Candyland. How expensive it is to have your teeth rot out. Land on the dentist. One game that I loved as a kid was Monopoly, but it had too many inaccuracies. It doesn't offer the best lessons in real-world finance, but it was okay. It introduced me to mortgages and property rights and taxes and income. 
it teaches you the concept of you become the wealthiest player. You buy, you rent, you sell property. Prudent property ownership decisions are indeed a proven path to wealth. No doubt about it. Players learn that property values are largely based on location. They receive economic lessons on scarcity, trade-offs, making decisions with imperfect information. So if you're hoping your kids will learn something about finance while they're playing, there's some inaccuracies that you'll want to teach them while they're playing it. Most pricing is not market-based. Monopoly prices for unimproved properties, houses, and hotels are flat. And the rents players pay when landing on each other's properties are fixed. The game's property values are pre-established by a central authority, i.e. the bank, instead of supply and demand. Instead of, you know, scarcities, instead of being in a capitalist society. Monopoly is clearly capitalist, but it doesn't explain supply and demand. Now, the rules are kind of good, and they allow players to negotiate trades for unimproved properties, railroads, and utilities, but not for houses or hotels. Property rights are quite unusual. When you buy an unimproved property, a house or a hotel monopoly, you buy it from the bank. In real life, only foreclosed properties are bought through the bank. You have to buy it through other people, through individual owners in real life. In Monopoly, you have to pay cash for land and structures instead of financing them with a mortgage. What's that all about? Have you ever bought a house with cash? Probably not. I know you're saying, Rob, you want Monopoly to introduce mortgages? I do. At least it would be more accurate. My favorite property was Kentucky Avenue. You could purchase it for 220 bucks. You can get $110 for the property by mortgaging it to the bank. While the property is mortgaged, the owner cannot collect rent. In real life, a lot of people don't pay cash for properties. They use mortgages all the time. Another aspect of property ownership that's unique in Monopoly, not in the real world, is that you can't improve your properties until you own the properties of all the same color. Players have to build evenly across their properties. Players also have to build small structures, little houses, those little red houses before they're... Are they red red houses or greenhouses? Greenhouses, maybe. And red hotels? Yeah. You've got to build like three or four houses before you're allowed to build a hotel. That's bogus. If I want to build a hotel, I should be able to build a hotel. I should be able to put a casino in it, too. I'm pretty sure that someone in my lineage probably at least knew an American Indian. What's up with that, by the way? We introduced disease into their culture, rape, alcohol. We take their land, and we allow them to have casinos. Like, that doesn't sound right. I don't know who negotiated that deal. In Monopoly, income's based on luck, not on skill or education. You receive a $200 salary every time you pass go. Look, I drove past go today, and I didn't get anything. With one roll of the dice, you get chance or community chess cards that help you move around the board faster. Income's based on which properties you happen to own land on. Players get paid and have to pay when they randomly draw cards with instructions like, your building loan matures, collect $150. Or you've been elected chamber, chairman of the board, pay each player 50 bucks. Like, what's that all about? Every chairman of the board I know gets paid. So in real life, you know, your income is tied towards skill development, not towards dice. And you're, In real life, your income is tied towards hard work. 
Only a small percentage of the population gets gambling winnings or inheritances. So I don't like Monopoly because it's stupid. It's a stupid game that teaches too, too many unreal lessons. Like, do you want your kid to really think that he's going to hit the lottery and collect 200 bucks? Pay school tax of 150 bucks. That's more like real life. A more realistic monopoly would instruct players to pay school taxes based on percentage of the value of all their properties. You've been to the, the, the polls recently, or you've, you know what all the votes are about. Do you want to spend an extra $2,000 tied towards your property? That's all I could say. I hate Monopoly. Too many unreal lessons. We're confusing our children. Oh. Happy day to you. Find me online, robblack.com. Tweet me, Rob Black Show. Find me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. It's a opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. John Tesh with an Intelligence for Your Life question. Where were you when your identity thief robbed you? Was it the airport Wi-Fi connection last week, the free wireless at your hotel, or that mobile hotspot where you got coffee? When we connect to Wi-Fi through smartphones and laptops, we're inviting identity thieves in, potentially handing over everything, bank accounts, social security numbers, passwords, and basically saying, go ahead, destroy my credit and take over my bank accounts. LifeLock Ultimate is the only identity theft protection service that monitors for bank account takeover fraud. It's the line between panic and protection. Enjoy the peace of mind that comes from arming yourself with LifeLock Ultimate. Make the quick call today and mention Tesh for 60 risk-free days of LifeLock Ultimate Identity Theft Protection. If you're not happy, call LifeLock and cancel within 60 days of enrollment for a full refund. See LifeLock.com for details. Call 1-800-875-7884. 1-800-875-7884. Network does not cover all transactions and the scope may vary. It's the Ray Lucia Show coming up next here on the Bay Area's business leader, AM 1220. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.